0: Alright, hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. I am Tom, and tonight I am here with a show-and-tell episode where we bring on a guest, or in this case, multiple guests, and we're going to talk about something cool. Today's guests are game designers of Lunar Games, Kirsty Garb and Sherman Tommy. And the cool thing that we're going to be talking about is the upcoming Kickstarter for the latest RPG supplement for their game Endless Realms, Tome of Spirits. Welcome guys. Hello. So, um, we've been sitting here chatting for a little bit and i am so excited to talk about endless realms we've had we've had you guys on before and where we did a show and tell which i highly recommend folks go check out because michael still talks about it to this day and sherman was the the gm in that game and sherman word on the street is you're good you're a good game master
1: I, i i do try my best
0: and a good game designer looking at Endless Realm. So we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. Kirsty, you're a CEO of a game company.
2: Yeah, how did that happen?
0: Uh, we're going to find out. So uh, what I want to do is let's go ahead and let's get to know both of you guys a little bit. We've had you on, like I said before. Um, but Kirsty, just go ahead and um, let us know who you are and what you do in this world of game design.
2: Oh, well, I would say uh, I'm Kirstie. I am from Vancouver, Canada. I am a jack of all trades. I deal with project management, uh, art directing, uh, manufacturing, and logistics. A little bit of everything is pretty much what I do at this point. Uh, And Facebook stuff. And conventions. Lots of conventions.
0: You were telling me about some of the conventions, and you guys do keep a very busy schedule.
2: Yeah, we have six back-to-back this month, which is a little nuts, but uh, we'll get through it, I believe.
0: <laughs> you guys are currently finishing up fulfillment of your first Kickstarter, about to launch your next Kickstarter, and going to six conventions. I applaud you. The energy there. Yeah. Sherman, what about yourself?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm the lead designer of the game, uh, and I basically go around playing the game at conventions whenever possible, and just kind of trying to get the the game kind of more well known. While uh Chris is kind of the glue that holds most of the company together, I've mainly just kind of dealt with uh for the most part just numbers and making sure the game is balanced and doesn't just kind of explode in people's faces.
0: You're you're very necessary cog in the machine, my friend. So, what we want to talk about is Endless Realms. I mean, it's your guys' game, but Kirsty, how did you go from just being a gamer? Take me, take me way back in the way back machine. All right. Um, yeah. What was the What was the impetus for you to start playing RPGs, and then how did that transition over to designing RPGs?
2: Okay. Well, I always enjoyed gaming, uh, from MMOs to consoles to tabletop, and then when I met my husband, we started playing Dungeons and Dragons, and it was a lot of fun and. You know, we did that for like, six, eight years. And then we started playing Pathfinder. And in a moment of rage of how much I hated the system, because of an eight hour combat session, I raged out and said, I'm making my own game. And I proceeded to become a turtle for two months, and everyone thought I was crazy.
0: (laughs) I feel like all of the great games started by one game, not working quite right for you. So you know, you just had to make your own game.
2: Uh, yeah, it was an 8-hour combat in which I proceeded to kill my party so I could go home.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's tragic. <laughs> so tragic. But I feel like that's a story for another <laughs> day. Yeah. That's primo. Much- no, S- Sh- Sherman, what about what about yourself? How did you wind up um designing games?
1: Uh for the most part it actually kind of uh started with uh eating some tasty food. Uh, One of Chrissy's friends worked as a waitress in um, the city I'm from, Prince George, up north. Uh, And she just heard uh, me and my friend kind of talking about games a lot every time we were in the uh, restaurant. So she kind of mentioned that her friend was making a game and wanted to know if we wanted to kind of test for it. And that kind of just uh, spun forward and forward and forward uh, until eventually I was actually hired.
0: That's a talk about Kirsty. So you just you just let some stranger who's playtesting <laughs> your game become your lead game designer.
2: I mean, to be fair, it was like a year of playtesting, and we would talk all the time, like hours every single day. And it and my my best friend Layla, who's my sister, was like, "They're good people. Don't worry about it." I'm like, "I will trust you," and this is what I got.
0: So I and one of the things. Um, that everybody talks about who I've talked to about Endless Realms is they just talk about how evocative the game world is. Would you guys mind just, we can talk about game mechanics and everything, but I think what really hooks people most of the times is these worlds that we create with games. And you guys have created a very, very interesting world, and that is Endless Realms. So is there a way that you can boil that down and kind of give me the elevator pitch for what is Endless Realms?
2: Ah, oh, man, that's a that's a loaded question because there's a <laughs> lot to our world. Um I guess what we aimed to do was we love Tolkien fantasy, we love elves and dwarves, but there comes a point where you can only do them so much before they've been overdone. And we wanted to create something new and something completely different where you could walk into a world and not have have it be abnormal to be something not normal like how many games do you go in where everyone's a human or an elephant there's that one person's like i want to be a naga and the whole party just rages on them because it doesn't fit in my world you can't make it work and i just didn't want that i wanted you know for everyone to be what they want and have it fit into a universe where it's acceptable
0: i mean one of the things i mean you mentioned that and looking at your on your guys's website you have all of the different races um listed and you have you've got a lot of them and like you said they're all very very unique and i just love how there's just there's just the human that's kind of thrown in there and (laughs) it seems so boring i mean i'm sure the way you guys have put it in all the lore that you've put into there is not but you have all these very evocative races that i just want to play them all do you guys have a favorite one
2: uh mine would happen to be dengu i love dengu more than anything they are these cute adorable little mole people that are obsessed with shiny objects and they just love everyone but people take advantage of them but they're just so sweet and i love them <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, for me, it'd probably be the the Skitty. They're just kind of uh, fairly slick and cool, and just kind of really uh, kind of... They just really kind of seemed like something I really dug when I first saw them. Is that the... Do you have a
0: Skitty in the art for the ninja
1: class? That was the Ventelli. The Skitty are kind
2: of like the weaselly, ferret-looking things.
0: Oh, okay, I got you. But what's funny, I wanted to talk... Kirsty, you say that your favorite class is the or race is the Dengu, and I saw you guys have an adventure called Big Trouble in Little Dengu. Uh
2: <laughs> yes, it is a fantastic little adventure. Um it may take some aspects from Big Trouble in Little China. Um, maybe a few. Maybe maybe a few, <laughs> but it deal it's actually a very deep adventure. It deals with a lot of racism, political turmoil, um, some cults you know it's got a lot to it going on um that's
0: fantastic
2: it hits on a lot of elements for what you wouldn't expect from cute little mole people
0: that's that's amazing so with i mean you guys have put obviously so much work into this game and you you launched the original game this was roughly about what was it a a year ago yes and you guys had a... Remind everybody again, what all was part of that original Kickstarter campaign?
2: Okay, the original Kickstarter was to uh, cover the printing and shipping costs of our core book and our Creature book, both of which were full-color illustrated hardcover and over 300 pages. Uh, we did have a exceptionally high funding goal uh, simply because, A, it's Canadian dollars and our money isn't worth anything, and, uh, <laughs> two because... It was for two books. It wasn't for printing one. So that was, unfortunately, we couldn't print half of a game. So uh, we did that and we did the best we could. We hit as many conventions during our Kickstarter and before as humanly possible to make sure it funded.
0: You guys must have hustled because you guys hit the goal. You You went, you surpassed your goal. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys are currently pretty much fulfilled on that right now right
2: yes we have fulfilled all north american orders our european orders are fulfilling right now and some of the asian ones will take a little while um it's just the shipping channel was a lot longer to go from hong kong over to europe which is why it took them their month behind us
0: Yes, but you guys I you guys are in my opinion, are hitting it right, like the nail right on the head because you were supposed to fulfill this month, and you've pretty much already done it, so listeners, you know that lunar <laughs> games they put their money where their mouth is, so with that said, you guys are crazy enough to do it again,
2: I mean, why not? I mean crazy people do things and you gotta make more things that are fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know that you can already do it. So like you said, hey, why not? Why not try again? And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Tome of Spirits. It is the, it's your guys's, you're going to be launching this soon. When is the Kickstarter launch?
2: Uh, April 23rd of 2019.
0: And so that is right around the corner. So Endless Realms, Tome of Spirits. Uh, Sherman, what? What's the what's the Tome of Spirits?
1: So it it's largely kind of a a mix of a campaign setting and lore. It, it delves pretty heavily into the lore of spirits and the spirit realm, which make up a fairly large kind of uh, aspect of our universe. And it was something that we'd wanted to kind of touch on quite heavily for a while now. Um, it was just kind of a fairly major prod- project, so it wasn't really something we could... Try and kind of weasel into our initial Kickstarter. Uh, it kind of, for the most part, covers a lot of the the lore behind spirits. Uh, what kind of like, what kind of beings they are, and what sort of place they have in society and the the various realms of the universe. Beyond that, it kind of also sort of delves into their relationship with uh, both the various peoples of the world as well as the players themselves. Just kind of um, how. How players might incorporate spirits a bit more into their character, either through kind of a uh, class choices or basically um, background kind of uh, issues and things like that.
0: Okay, the, so the way that uh, Kirsty was kind of explaining it as well before we started recording was, yeah, in what you said, it's a campaign book, but there is so much more to it. Is it going to have then? Is it going to have races and classes as well?
1: So we don't quite have any new races and specifically full classes kind of being added in, but we do have um, more class paths, basically sort of like kind of kind of like a subclass for the different classes, Um, just kind of things that alter the nature of the class and make them a bit more sort of spiritual in nature.
0: So since we're talking about that, and I want to kind of give everyone an idea then, because you talk about class paths. Can you explain and expound a little bit about how the function of classes work within endless realms? Because one of the things I found so new, unique going through it is that each class, it, it it they kind of have their own thing. And I think, I mean, that's what classes typically do, but there's not a whole lot of branch over between them.
1: Yeah, we, we wanted to make sure each one kind of very much had its own sort of personality and we weren't kind of... Uh basically we did we didn't want a ton of overlap in the sort of kind of feel and just overall idea behind the class. So the the casters don't really share spell books or anything like that. Each one uses a very specific type of magic, and those magics are uh for the for the casters, those magics are kind of very very sort of um, set in one sort of kind of concept so order magic is really good at building things up and kind of enhancing what's already there whereas chaos magic uh, is more kind of destructive and entropic and is really good at kind of weakening things so because of that we wanted each one to kind of have not only its sort of own concept but also not really have a lot of overlap just because each caster class and each melee class and and the the warden who's kind of an archer all of them kind of we wanted them all to have different roles so it mm-hmm. didn't feel like if you were if you were in a party with other people none of you kind of were doing a lot of the exact same thing
0: okay i i really appreciate that when it comes to allowing each member of the party to kind of feel unique in how they're playing their their character so how are spirits then being incorporated into these class paths can can either of you give me any sort of example because i think it's 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 looking at your guys's kickstarter that you sent me the preview for it it's it seems it's really interesting so i'd love, like to hear you guys's thoughts on it
1: yeah so um with the the class paths it was just kind of a further means of making sure characters kind of felt differentiated. Um each class path kind of focuses on a different area that that class is kind of good at. So um with the uh with the judicar who is the sort of a kind of a magical lawyer who uses order magic, uh the in in our core book, their class paths kind of fo- focus in focus in on uh those those judicars who focus on either law magic or who use uh, runic runic magic and s- kind of in that same sort of vein. And with the Tomb of Spirits, we wanted to essentially have a class path for each of the classes we currently have out to be a bit more kind of in tune with what spirits generally kind of accomplish and um, work on in the, within the world. So for the most part, we wanted each of them to kind of, basically to focus on what that class would be like if they were more spiritually inclined. So we have things like um, the the code of faith for the knight is a lot more paladin esque than the standard knight. They're kind of very focused on uh, basically kind of spreading their spirit's message and basically kind of embracing it and using that as their code rather than sort of uh, the the code um, the codes that the standard knights might kind of follow. Okay,
0: um, the in- Kirsty, why this? Why? Tome of Spirits, going back and I remember you saying before in a previous episode that you guys had, correct me if I'm wrong, a three-year design or production plan for Uh, Endless Realms.
2: Yeah, this was one of the three years. Uh, We actually have, strangely, we actually have four, the notes done for about four other books that have just not been written out other than this. The Tome of Spirits was something I felt should go out a lot sooner simply because I don't feel storytellers or players have a good grasp of really how to utilize spirits and adventures because they're not gods so they're much more tangible and interactable so you can use them as like quest givers information brokers masterminds a whole lot of varieties of ways and I don't really feel game masters know or f- really understood how to use them properly or just how much complexity there was to them. So we really wanted to showcase that in this book. So there's a lot in there for storytellers to really learn how to use them and different ways they can incorporate them into their adventures. Um, it also really touches in on an aspect of our game, which is corruption, which is something you don't see too often or at all in other worlds or say, games. And corruption is something so core to our game where we like to stay in the aspects of balance and corruption kind of takes things out of the balance and twists and mutates things into not nice aspects of what they once were and that's something we really wanted to showcase as well and that that could be the darker aspects to games
0: i do like how you um this the idea of corruption um because when i think of corruption in the in games it's not necessarily and i think you kind of said this it's not necessarily evil, but it's not what you were intended or what the original individual or being or object was intended to be be or be used for. And so I think that really ties into your guys' whole idea of this this balance system, which I is really unique.
2: Right. Well in our universe, and I've said this probably at our last interview we at Lunar Games don't believe in good and evil. There is no such thing as someone who is truly good or truly evil. Even the best of people have darkness and the worst of people have light and that's something we really wanted to push in our game. Corruption is just when the darkness takes over, but there's still a way to repel it and turn them back to light. And that's something we really tried to focus on.
0: And is there a so and is is there a way in this to also be able to pull from light into the darkness
2: uh yeah if so players also in this book have the option of becoming the champions of spirits be them pure or corrupted you could technically become a corrupted champion or a regular spirit champion and it just depends which way you want to go and we give you all the ways to utilize corruption in your adventures and how it takes form and why it's such a threat to both mortals and spirits. And it really just adds so much more depth to our world and this game.
0: I really like this idea of spirits um, in the sense that when you think about D&D, and the reason I'm using D&D is the game that I play and a lot of people play, They it relies so much on the gods and the deities and the pantheons of the worlds there. And they can seem so distant and just kind of not really, it's it's hard as a dungeon master to kind of remember that these deities are interacting with your world. So if the, you said that the spirits, they're not um, a direct replacement for these deities, but you, it's a way to allow some supernatural beings to interact with players in a more um simpler form. Is is that am I kind of reaching a little too far with that?
2: You're both correct and not correct. So spirits are very plentiful and they do have their own power scale. You can get grand spirits that theoretically could be just as powerful as gods, which is why mortals revere them as gods because they could potentially wipe out their world if they wanted. So They are plentiful. There are lots and lots of them if you've ever seen Spirited Away, for instance. Uh, Did you, Ghibli? Absolutely, yes. yes. There are lots and lots of tiny spirits everywhere. They might not be strong, but one day they could be. And then you also have a lot of very powerful spirits that have massive followings of religions and they demand worship and they very much portray themselves as gods. And in every retrospect, they could decimate a whole entire continent if they wanted. So the mortals of Endless... in the End of some Actually don't interact with gods. As far as they know, they don't really even exist. They're more of rumors, and it's the spirits they see before them. Except the case of maybe the Animancer, but that's a whole other t- story.
0: So you mentioned it, the religions of the spirits. And then, also something that I saw that you sent me there's also cults, so what is the interaction between these religions and cults is the when we say cult are we saying these are the the darker, more maligned spirits, and then the religion is for the more light spirits
2: okay, so religions are either created by mortals, and they fit a structure of where they kind of worship all, or maybe there's a particular spirit that they worship, or a goal in which they desire and they worship a group of spirits, like chaos spirits, for instance, where cults will worship corrupted spirits. And their goals are much more malicious in nature, they want to grow that corrupted spirit's power and take over and do all kinds of things that probably shouldn't Shouldn't happen, don't really want it to happen, but it's happening, where religions very much worship the pure spirits.
0: Okay, and and that makes total sense. Um, One of the things I also want to talk about is in this book, you guys are including a plethora of magic items. So Sherman, as a game designer, um, did you guys have magic items in the previous Endless Realms core book? And what's it like to make magic items and to really focus in on a certain type of magic items such as these spiritual magic items
1: so yeah um well in the in the game uh magic items are actually all generally created by spirits just because the the magic of actually imbuing things imbuing energy into objects is kind of very difficult so usually it's something only spirits are kind of capable of so uh it 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 kind of just felt natural to kind of include even more magic items into kind of the the tomb of spirits and we did have some in the the core book just to kind of um give people an idea of what magic items might like look like and kind of what what sort of place they have in the, the the game setting so it kind of just um rolling that forward into the tomb of spirits just seemed like the the obvious direction for the most part and it's it's definitely been um a lot of fun kind of making sh- making sure each of them kind of really feel unique and have have specific kind of purposes rather than just focusing a bit too much on what they can do for for combat or something like that
0: there's nothing greater than as a game master just dropping a magic item on your players there's just something and it just adds this this something new to the games so Do you have a... What's your favorite magic item that you got to create for this supplement, then?
1: Ooh, um...
0: Pick one. You can only have one. (laughs) Uh... Um, it
1: it would probably be one of the cursed items. Uh, so, um, some cursed items are, are ones that are created by, uh, corrupt spirits for various nefarious purposes, while others are just created for, um usually uh usually by kind of more not necessarily malign spirits but ones that are occasionally maybe more mischievous,
3: okay. so they tend
1: to have like a, a lot more kind of um negative aspects and are a lot harder to kind of get rid of once you get them um, it was it was just a lot of fun to really kind of think up ways of either coming up with an item that didn't just ruin the day of like the adventurer who who got it but like kind of really really come up with an idea for something that sort of had unique qualities to it so either it was, was something that they actually might kind of consider using even though it did have negative aspects simply because it was really really useful in certain ways or in some cases objects that kind of made the player have to act in a sort of different manner
0: Okay, I that's uh, so. Do you have do you have that one particular one then? Uh
1: I want I want to
0: hear about what sort of magic items you guys have in this new supplement.
1: I I, I I I don't know if I could pick a single one. It's just
0: all the cursed items,
1: but essentially. It's... Okay, <laughs> cursed items are always so fun because it's it's a new way of kind of playing with the players and their characters without necessarily having it be kind of combat or or just kind of something to gain yes
0: for sure Uh, Kirsty, what about yourself
2: uh i i have a few uh my favorite cursed item are these sticky gloves that when they touch (laughs) something it sticks to their hand you ever play that old ps2 game katamari where you're rolling I did, yeah, yeah we roll around yeah.
0: and you just pick up everything.
2: Yeah, so when you touch things with the gloves, it everything just sticks to your hand, but they don't really weigh you down, but you're holding all this stuff. And it's really awkward. That's my favorite cursed item. That's hilarious. I would <laughs> love to get, I would love to just give that to a player. Right? You know, my my
0: brother's <laughs> bothering me one evening, so I was like, "Oh, look at this these these glorious gloves for you
2: i think my on. favorite magical item is this tiny like wooden duck that when you toss it in water <laughs> it like hugely expands into literally a boat and you can ride it
0: that's amazing who wouldn't that's now i'm just picturing danny devito getting on his large duck boat and <laughs> the uh, the batman returns
2: We had a lot of fun with magic items because we don't take ourselves too seriously, so making a lot of really fun and funny items was really the best part. Um, I believe in the core, there was that tiny little like soft ball that you put into the sack and it ate all your coins. Not the nice thing, but still amusing. Or sneaking shoes that when you try to sneak, they squeak. That was also a good one.
0: That's that's amazing. I love that you guys put that sort of. That was a design aspect. To Endless Realms. That it, if is it fun?
2: Yes. Well, we didn't want cursed items that to be malicious. We wanted them to be really trolly, essentially, where they're not like going to dampen your gameplay, but they're really funny if you get them, and it's like, oh, that that's okay. I get it.
0: I yeah. That's I think that's that's fun for everybody at the table, not just the game master. Kind of. It, not getting one over of his players, but just kind of having a joke with them, and then the players kind of laughing at their new situation that they've just been put into.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, some of um, my fondest memories of, of playing tabletop RPGs were of curses laid on players that didn't just uh, immediately kill them or deal them damage, but kind of just changed things up about the game, and kind of gave everyone a, a really good laugh of just how everything kind of played out. Who
0: would have thought that pl- playing games we're supposed to laugh
2: (laughs) yeah it's like a lost concept somehow
0: no i i I love it um the so as as well as magic items you guys are introducing a new um with a campaign setting and we've already said this and this is the spirit realm so with this spirit realm, can you can you guys talk a little bit about what is the spirit realm? And how can adventurers, how what sort of adventures can we see taking place in this realm?
2: Absolutely. So the spirit realm is, doesn't function like a normal planet. So Normally, our realms are, it's like a pocket universe. And there's a bunch of planets that are themed in each one. Spirit realm is kind of like an ever changing nebula. So the spirit realm is actually made of spirits that return back. So if you're walking on a road, you're actually walking on a earth spirit. Maybe it's asleep and doesn't say anything, or maybe it's awake and is going to yell at you. You don't really know. Uh, it's a very strange place and it's ever changing. So maps don't really work. You could enter a new area and look back and it could be completely different, Um which is really awesome at the same time because the adventures that you can make in there are a bit of a kind of like a mind trip and it's pretty awesome. But the kind of adventures you can have there are pretty like limitless. You can really do anything because everything is made up of spirits. Um, So with the campaign setting, we did make some pre-designed locations in which players can experiment in. One would be like the Field of Smiles, which is a giant hive mind location made up of thousands of flower spirits and they all talk in sync to you. And they kind of hear and know everything. So they'll try to talk with you or guide you somewhere. Um, also fairly annoying, but they also know a lot of things. But it's just a weird location.
0: <laughs> with that, then, I think it's even more important because you said that, so the spirit realm, it's its made up of all these very strange Locations. I personal me speaking personally, a lot of times when I pick up a book and it starts describing this very abstract sort of land, it's it's very hard sometimes to describe or to get your players to really feel like they're there. But with Endless Realms, I think you guys have an advantage that your guys's art is very very evocative, and I think is in a huge help for somebody who's going to be running these games. So. I, I just want to sh- give a shout out for you guys' art, and I'm not sure if you what all you guys want to talk about with that, with the the spirit realm and how you guys are showing the players and GMs these new lands.
2: Yeah, our our artist Jennifer, she is the greatest artist ever, and I hope she hears me say that. That I am so blessed to be able to work with someone as amazing as her. Um, like she's done such a fantastic job of just creating really the oddities that is in endless realms um i can't thank her enough for that um
0: there's definitely some oddities looking th- at there some
2: there art. is um you know sometimes i let her have her way with things being like i don't can't think how to make this so you can go have fun and she'll come back with some really obscure creatures that i never never thought should be alive but they are
0: <laughs> and if nothing else you everybody just needs to go to the kickstarter just to look at the art if bare minimum go go take a look because i'm sure it's going to inspire you it's very very cool sherman for yourself as far as designing spirits into a into a um into an rpg what sort of were there any sort of design difficulties that you came across um infusing spirits and religion into your game
1: um not in particular for the most part a lot of uh a lot of my work is largely just kind of taking kirstie's various ideas and making it work and fit in the setting and it's usually it hasn't really been too difficult with spirits just because they have such a wide range of forms um just making sure each of them also feels different is just kind of already part and parcel of making sure a lot of the monsters felt different. So, as far as like actually incorporating them in, I haven't really had too much difficulty beyond what just like the the difficulty of making sure all of the the creatures in the in the world kind of felt different from okay. each other.
0: And I commend you on that. How many monsters then are you adding into the the Tome of Spirits?
1: So yeah, uh, we, we didn't really add in um, much in the way of new creatures to the, the Tome of Spirits, just because a lot of kind of corrupt spirits and um, other spirits that players might encounter already kind of put into the, the creature compendium that we already released. Um, for for the most part, with the first two books, we definitely wanted to kind of think ahead for the most part, so we included a lot of that stuff ahead of the time. Uh, for the most part, we, we did add... Um, in rules on just some some sort of, like, side issues that spirits might kind of come across. Uh, in particular, um, spirit territories and just how that interacts with everything. Because um, spirits in their own sort of native territory do gain additional benefits that they might not otherwise have if they were just either a corrupt spirit or, or a wandering spirit, for instance. Um, as far as, like, actual creatures we we toyed with the idea but for the most part it just it didn't really seem to make a lot of sense to try and add in a a bunch of more creatures when we'd already covered a lot of that with the earlier books
0: okay the one other thing with spirits and looking at the kickstarter what you guys have said this is more about a, a adding a sense of spiritualism to the endless realms but also when people think spirits a lot of times their mind goes directly to like horror and the scary stuff is there any sort of any of that in this supplement
1: yeah it's it's largely kind of um contained a bit more with the with the corrupt spirits just because they're all sort of twisted um variations of something that's a bit more normal and in balance uh you, you can kind of see that with some of the corrupt spirits that we'd already added into the the creature compendium uh, i think like one of the more horrific looking creatures is probably the uh, corrupt spirit of passing who while initially kind of acting sort of like a, a psychopomp kind of guiding souls off to the the afterlife whatever that might be uh the corrupt version has countless hands just kind of covering its body and and these kind of mouths everywhere so it, as far as far like more horror elements, those are usually kind of more in the sort of corrupt uh, spirit territory of oh, things.
0: I'm you, gonna have nightmares now. I'm just envisioning this thing with. I just don't <laughs> like mouths, man.
2: Isn't that the boss you killed their party with,
1: or did they kill it? Ah, uh, I believe I believe they were one of the parties that actually managed to uh, get through and defeat it.
0: Oh, back in the we t- we're talking. way. Yes. we're talking way back yes. then. You're right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I believe I believe they were one of the parties who I, I I ran through the adventure with like a number of different groups, just kind of um, both using it as a, a way of introducing players to the the setting and the world and kind of how everything fits together, while also kind of um, just using it as a nice kind of test for what people are really looking for when they're playing the game okay. and uh the first party i actually ran it with was um with kirsty and dan and um some of the other kind of uh, creators of the game uh they they all got murdered violently uh but the rpg academy managed to successfully defeat the 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 beast and uh beyond that i think they actually managed to even save the spirit by purifying it
0: yeah we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be a very good academy if we couldn't beat your game.
2: Uh, to be fair, in our defense, it was a little undead girl that actually killed our party. Not Ooh, I'm just saying. We yeah. killed the boss, but, but she killed us after.
0: All right. I, you, I got it. You guys have plenty of creepy stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's talk about the actual Kickstarter itself. What are some of the pledge levels then, um, Kirsty? as far as what what can people help you guys out and what can they expect in return because you guys have a, a bunch of different pledge levels we don't need to go through the minutia of them but give us the overview of it
2: sure so we have a single level just for the pdf of the of spirits uh another one that'll have the hardcover another one that'll have both and then we also add in all of our pdfs from our core book creature book our adventure big trouble little dengu um So that's also a bundle. You can also get all the original hardcover books from our original Kickstarter as well. Um, In terms of stretch goals, what we're hoping to do is just make a better book, add in some more magic items, some more cults, um, also art, uh, some mini adventures that would be separate, and are hoping we can hit and do our full adventure, which would be a Spirit's Obligation, which would be an awesome adventure that I hope we can get to. If not, it'll be its own thing later.
0: And that is definitely something that I appreciated looking at your guys' Kickstarters. All of your stretch goals really just... It's not more product. It improves upon the product that you're offering, such as more, more art and these little mini adventures. So I think that's really cool.
2: Well, we just wanted... We want to give people more... Like, we when we were first developing Endless Realms, it took us five years. Two of those years was literally just developing our universe. So we actually planned our world so far out in advance that we know how we want things to go so we don't ever really get stuck anywhere, um, which is a really big advantage for us so that we can make sure we don't have any conflicting ideas or goals, I guess, Um, Mm -hmm. which is great. That makes sense. So like... We know we could probably add another 100 pages to this book and be perfectly happy doing so, uh, which I would like to do, which I hope we can do with everyone's help.
0: Well, if you guys did all of this, you said you did you do all this then with your game group? As far as the original coming up with the coming up with the endless realms?
2: Uh, A lot of it was myself our friend AJ and then my husband Dan and a little bit from our friend Brian Fisher and then it became a lot of myself and then I hired a artist Jen uh, an actual writer because I do have a bit of dyslexia so my writing is not the finest and I wanted it to be publishable and eligible readable for people not being me um and then we required Sherman uh and two other writers and here we are with a team of like five people
0: Th- that's awesome you just <laughs> now and you're a CEO
2: I am <laughs> still not sure how that's, that happened but yay <laughs>
0: that's that is um i think it's it's all just it's really cool what you guys are doing and i think you guys really are offering a very unique product and a unique world
2: I really just want to create a alternative fantasy. That is my game idea is just to do something different that's not mainstream but appeals to a lot of people because it is so different, but it's also it makes sense and it's tangible and it's fun.
0: Yeah, for sure. The um the the mini adventures. So can you give us any like sneak peek or of like what are some of these mini adventures? About because I'm very curious about what an adventure in endless realms is.
2: Well, an adventure in endless realms would be like Big Trouble, Little Dengu. Um, okay. We try to touch on a lot of different themes and make sure that things aren't just hack and slash. We want to touch on some problems and really make players think and have multiple ways to complete an adventure. And if they want to be murder hobos, you know, that's great. If they don't, there's always an alternative. Uh one of the many adventures we hope to add would be Greener Pastures, which deals with uh ecoterrorism. That's and cool.
1: And uh, an actual murder hobo.
2: <laughs> Mr. Wiggles is delightful. How dare you?
0: <laughs> Why not? That's that's it's all these little cool things that just really makes me want to just play endless realms. Sure, <laughs> fantastic. Uh, so then, before we before we get out of here, is there, well, Kirsty, is there anything else that you just want to um, sh- talk about as far as this new tome of spirits?
2: Ah, uh, I think the tome of spirits just offers so much for both players and game masters. And even if you don't want to play in the Endless Realm system, picking this book up just to put it, put the ideas into other game systems is totally worth it. This book is chalked filled with lore on everything from realms to spirits to a whole lot of things. We have territory war systems and the history behind territory wars, why they happen. There's just so much in here about like the social political structures of spirits to like corruption. There's just a lot to it.
0: I think it's really cool that, I mean, you've even said it yourself, even if you're not playing Endless Realms, just picking up this book is to use it is is pretty fantastic.
2: Exactly. I mean, and that's the thing, like, with our, our main game, our core book is our player's guide, DM's guide, and it even has a mini campaign setting, but all throughout the book is nothing but lore, and there's just so much you can do with it, even if you're not a fan of the system. Like, there's just so much good stuff in it
0: we all love lore for sure um sherman what what about yourself is there anything else that you want to tell us about tome of spirits as far as from from your perspective as the as a
1: designer um uh i'd say cursey covered a lot of the stuff uh we do um also have uh spirit champions which cursey kind of talked about a bit more from the sort of um kind of uh, the the setting uh perspective but they they are kind of incorporated into the book as well as as to how players can kind of become a a sort of spirit champion and what that actually entails for their character itself as well
0: fantastic so Kirsty, remind us once again when will the kickstarter be launching
1: it will be
2: launching on april 23rd 2019 and our funding goal is drastically lower than our first one it is only 9000 canadian the Small monopoly money, so (laughs) not that much this time around. And I hope we will succeed it and hit all those wonderful stretch goals. That is my dream.
0: I hope so too. And we're cheering for you guys over here. Uh, And absolutely go check out Endless Realm Tome Spirits. All right, everyone. This has been Tom with the RPG Academy podcast. And tonight I've been joined by.
1: Kirsty and Sherman.
0: There you go. All right, everyone. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks everyone.
1: (laughs) Thanks.
2: Bye. Thank you.
3: Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first. And then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time.